All right. Well, I'm so glad to be here with you guys tonight. And how many of you attended a service under that tent? How many of you like it better in here? This is awesome. I've been talking to your pastor about this building, and I am so grateful for what God is unfolding before you. And this is wonderful. It's the most important step at this moment because it's the next one. It's not your final step, but God is doing something special here. And I'm just so grateful to continuously hear reports of people being saved and encouraged and helped. And, and uh, every time I talk to your pastor, we want to talk ministry. We want to talk the Bible. He, he wants to talk about people in the church that uh, are coming along in their, in their Christian life. And I want to say this, and I can't say this every church I attend, but if I lived anywhere in this area, I'd be right here with you guys. Uh, your pastor's the kind of man that I would want to be mentoring me and teaching the Bible and encouraging me because I know that he loves God. He loves the Word of God. He loves this church and just as important to me, he loves his family. He's a man of integrity. And you guys are in such a wonderful place. This church is, it's taken off. You're a part of the ride. And uh, I'm glad to see what God's doing here again. This building is awesome. Uh, I, I admire your pastor. I mentioned that. As he said, his brother works on our church staff. He's more than just a staff member. He married my daughter. Okay. I've got to be honest with you. When I was asked in that ceremony, who gives this bride away? I did not like that. Okay. I felt kind of ripped off. I'm like, I raised her, paid a lot of money. Now I got to give her away. I got to pay for this wedding too. And I got to, it just didn't seem right. And then I got a grandbaby and all debts were erased, man. So uh, I'm glad to have JJ with me. But I mentioned that because their mom's here and, and uh, what a couple great sons you got. I know you got a great family, but these two in this room, uh, we're grateful for your influence in their lives. Book of Philippians, if you have your Bible tonight, Philippians chapter two. And uh, I've got to give you great kudos for being in this room tonight, taking time out of a Friday evening to come and hear about relationships. You guys did a good thing. And I'll tell you why that was a good thing. All right. All of life is about relationships. All of life is about relationships. It starts with our relationship with God. It continues with our relationship with others. It's just this simple. Uh, if you want a happy life, have happy relationships. If you want to have a miserable life, have messed up relationships. It works that way for me, for you, for everybody. That's the way God has put us together. Uh, when the relationships are good, you feel happy, you feel fulfilled. And when they're not going well, we feel discouraged. It's what's on our mind. It matters not really how much money you have, how many things you have, how active your life is. If those relationships that matter most are messed up, your life has a massive hole in it that none of those other things can fill. Now, maybe you're here and you'd say, you know, pastor, I don't have to work hard to imagine a relationship that needs some help. I don't know what it is you'll be thinking about, but I, I want to say this. Because God is so gracious and kind to us, what we're going to read in his word tonight can make a weak relationship stronger. I mean, what we'll learn tonight can let us find strength in those relationships. Now, maybe you're here tonight and you would say, you know something? Actually, things have never been going better for me. Things are pretty good in the marriage. Things are pretty good with the children, whatever the case may be. Well, maybe it can go from good to great. My prayer, my desire is that what we'll study this evening would help all of us to know what it is to have strength come to our relationships, that they would be made stronger. And um, I'll be specific at times tonight, general enough, that I think it can be applied to anybody. But we're going to look to Philippians chapter 2. And if you're able tonight and you're willing, I'd like to ask you to join me in standing out of respect for the reading of God's Word. If you're glad you're here, say amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read a few verses here together, verses 1 through 4. 
And the Bible says this, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let's go down to verse 5 just to see these words. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now I want to point out one expression in verse 2. Paul says here to this church in Philippi, he said, Fulfill ye my joy. He said, there's something you guys can do that bring a lot of joy to this old pastor's heart. And I want us to think of this together. Our Father, we are grateful to be in this room tonight. None of us have arrived. All of us have room to grow. We pray that by the power of your word that we would see relationships strengthened tonight. Help us to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. We never personally met, but I heard he was going through a difficult time, and it was kind of one of those friends of a friend situation. And, and so I decided I would try and do something to help him. I did something very insignificant. Believe me, I'm not the hero of this story, but I did something to try to help someone I, I didn't even meet. And not too long after that, the thank you note came in, and it was a very interestingly worded card, but in the card was $31, $31. It wasn't like a 20, a 10, and, and a 1. It was like lots of 1s and maybe a 5 in there, but $31, $31. And I'm not insinuating tonight $31 is a small amount of money, but if you'd have known where that $31 came from, you would have understood it was a massive sacrifice. Uh, I was really blown away. I was amazed that someone going through what I knew he was going through would have taken the time to do it. I certainly didn't do anything for him with the expectation of, of getting that money back. And, and maybe you can relate to what I'm saying. As I, as I opened that card and as I looked at that money, I kind of felt bad. Have you ever had someone give you a gift and you felt bad because you knew the sacrifice they went through? And I've got to tell you, all this time later, if you guys were ever in my house, in my home office, you would see that card with all 31 of those dollars still sitting on my desk. I can't bring myself to spend it because I know how much that gift meant to him. I think the Apostle Paul kind of felt like that as he was writing the book here in Philippians. He was in prison. He gets a, a care package, if you would, delivered by some people that, that said, hey, man, this is an offering, a love offering from those believers in Philippi. They know you're in prison. You're, you're needing your needs to be met, and they care for you, and they, they love you. Here's what they brought for you. And Paul was blown away. He just couldn't, couldn't believe it. He was overflowing with gratitude. And so he was determined to sit down and write a thank you note, a note of thanks. And, and really, in essence, that's what the book of Philippians is. It's, it's Paul writing a note saying, hey, thank you guys so much for what you did. But, but as, he was, as he was writing the note, those that delivered to Paul the gift, uh, they said, Paul, you know, we're having some conflicts in the church too. And so Paul thought, all right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say thank you in this letter. And and I'm also going to deal with some of these conflicts. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about our relationship with God and how that intersects with our relationships with others. And so with a little bit of that context in mind, I want us to pick up our text tonight uh, here in, in the chapter 2 and verse 1. Notice what Paul says. He says, if, 
there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy. Now, what Paul was saying there, I'm not going to go into great detail. What he was saying was this. Hey, if you agree with what I wrote about Jesus in chapter 1, if you agree that he's a great Savior, if, if, if you agree that he's worked in our lives, if, if you agree with those things that I wrote about in chapter 1, he said, there's something I want you to do. If you believe what I've told you about Jesus, there's something I want you to do that would bring joy to my heart. And it's from there that Paul began to talk about relationships. And he shared with them in these verses we read how we can make any relationship stronger. Here's the first thought that Paul shared with us. Number one, if we want to make our relationship stronger, any relationship, number one, see your role as your responsibility. See your role as your responsibility. You see, Philippians chapter 1 was written by Paul, and it talks all about Jesus. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He gets to Philippians chapter 2, and he talks about relationships. It's all about relationships. Paul is connecting the dots that what we believe about Jesus, what we know to be true about Jesus, it should have an impact on our marriage. It should have an impact on our parenting and our work relationships. What we believe about Jesus should change everything. You see, it was a short time before Jesus died and, and was buried and rose again and ascended back to heaven that he said this in John 15. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus said, all right, here it is. Here's my commandment. You, you want to do my will? He said, here it is. I want you to love others just like I've loved you. Just as I have loved you. And I've got to tell you, this is great news to me. And I'll tell you why I say that. It provides a consistent motivation. Now, my wife's not here tonight, so I'm going to pick on her. There are times she's the most lovable human I've ever met in all my life, and then there are other times. How many of you understand other times, huh? All right, a few of you. Good. And uh, she would say that about me, I'm sure. But my motivation in loving my wife uh, isn't because she's lovable, although she is, and I, I do love my wife. When I find my motivation in the command of Jesus to love others as he has loved me, that's a command that is always there. Uh, sometimes people behave in a way we would say that's lovable and other times we'd say you're getting on my nerves but gratefully we know we have a savior who's loved us perfectly and he says I want to do a work in you that will enable you to love others that same way day in and day out the motivation isn't how they're being uh, how how they're treating us or how they're behaving it's Jesus is good chapter 1 Philippians so chapter 2 Philippians I want to treat others as God would have I want to love them like Jesus loves what kind of love is that it's an unlimited love it's an unconditional love it's an unending love it's wonderful to know that Jesus says hey I've got a role for you in any relationship you're in and it's a role in which you will find your responsibility. I want you to love people like I love you. I was 19 and uh, my life was in a bit of a free fall. My mom and dad had just separated. I know 19's older and a lot of you've been through that, I'm sure, but it doesn't feel good to anybody at any age. And, and uh, I remember my folks had had separated, and, and I was just questioning everything. You know, I thought I had some things figured out, and I thought, maybe, maybe I, I don't know anything. And, and it was during that time, kind of confusion, that a pastor friend of our family called me, and he said, uh, Steve, I'm coming up to see you. Now, he was in San Diego. I was living in a time in Long Beach. He said, I'm coming up to see you. And uh, he said, why don't we meet at your dad's boat? And uh, I'll be honest with you, I had very little interest in meeting with this pastor friend of our family. 
but uh, I really enjoyed spending time on my dad's boat. So I thought, I'll get this guy on the boat. And it kind of took two to get the boat out and get it going. And, and uh, I thought, all right, well, uh, I'll meet you at the boat. Sure enough, I went down there and, and uh, for the next, I don't know, three, four hours, we uh, got out and we sailed. And it wasn't a great day for sailing, but it was fun to be on the water. And, and uh, that pastor just talked and talked. And, and uh, I listened. I didn't have much to say. My, my heart and my mind were racing. He was saying things that I had to process. And the CPU wasn't working all that well in my brain. And, and, and I was listening. I just I couldn't get my heart and my mind to cooperate with my mouth and get any words to come out. So he continued to talk, and that pastor actually is kind of a quiet guy, similar to me, and the poor guy, he's just having to carry the whole conversation. And, and uh, yet, as I said, I was listening, and, and a difference was being made, and s- some lights began to come back on that had been shut off earlier, and, and I was grateful for that. I saw that pastor a few times over the years, but after more than 20, 25 years probably, we were alone together, and, and I, I brought that incident up to him. And I said, Pastor, thank you for coming. That was a long drive for you to make on a Saturday. And you had to come down and spend that time and get back to San Diego and, and for, for talking with me. And I didn't make it easy on you, man. You were talking and I was being quiet. And, and uh, I, I said all of that. And I, I just appreciated the patience. And, and listen to what he said to me. He said, Steve, I got to be honest with you. I came because your mom asked me to. She said, I'm worried about Stephen. Will you go see my son? He was nice to me, not because I deserved it. On that boat, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't exactly giving him the silent treatment or trying trying to be a punk, but it kind of came off as that. And he was kind and gracious and patient and said things I needed to hear. And I know enough about that pastor to know he did it because my mom asked, but he wouldn't have done it unless he thought it's what God wanted him to do. You know what he was doing? He was taking time to be nice to a 19-year-old teenage kid whose life was falling apart. I didn't deserve his grace his kindness, his patience, his words. But then again, he wasn't doing it for me anyways, was he? He was doing it because he had a command from Jesus to love others just like Jesus loves us. Friends, I'm saying today that when you see your role in a relationship as your responsibility to the call of Jesus, it will stir you to bring the kind of love that will make any relationship stronger. I'm sure parents have said of kids, boy, this little kid's on my last nerve. I don't know they deserve my grace right now. I'd say, love them like Jesus. See what happens. I'm sure parents could say, or children rather could say the same about parents and so on. Let's just make sure we see our role in a relationship as our responsibility to the command of Jesus. I I love to define the word responsibility as our response to his ability. Jesus never gives a command without the accompanying promise of his enablement. As as we yield to the will of God, he'll give us the capacity, the ability to do what he's given us to do. Number one, see your role as your responsibility. Here's number two. Number two, see your assignment as alignment. See your assignment as alignment. Now let's look at verse two that we read together a moment ago. Paul wrote this. He said that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. I think it's interesting, like-minded. Same love, one accord, one mind. I think this is an important point because some of you are like me in this regard. Most of us feel that if we have problems in a relationship, it's because the other one doesn't see it like we do. If they could just get their act together and they could come in line with our will, if they could find their alignment behind our desires, then things would be good. It doesn't work that way. The problem with that approach is it makes a relationship weaker, not stronger. 
It creates conflict. It creates division. It turns into a war of wills. Please hear me. Nobody wins when there's a war of wills. Nobody. It doesn't help any relationship. Sometimes we say things like, well, sorry if I offended you. How many of you have ever heard that and been insulted? Okay. I'm sorry if I offended you. What we really hear when that is said is, you get offended way too easily, you know. There's, there's no apology in that. I'm sorry if I offended you. Uh, we sometimes uh, have people say, well, I said I'm sorry. And what we hear is, I said I'm sorry. Why aren't you instantaneously over it? We've said these things. We hear these things. Sometimes our intentions are good, but we're not strengthening the relationship. We're using our passive, aggressive words to try to get people to align with our way of thinking. And the key to a stronger relationship is to understand that is not our assignment. You see, the alignment we should be seeking is the alignment to the life of Christ. I need to see that. That's, that's what God's called me to do is get in line with him. That's why the Bible emphasized so much. We're to be like-minded, same love, one accord. He was speaking of our minds and lives lining up with the teachings of Jesus Christ. In fact, in verse 5, Paul said this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's where the victory comes in a relationship. Not when you get two people who, who can fight until one gets beaten into submission. It's when you have two people who understand that their assignment in life is to be aligned with Jesus Christ. That's where the unity and the strength comes. I heard about a nervous bride one time who stepped into the back of an auditorium on her wedding day and the wedding march was being played and everybody stood up and she's looking down that aisle and uh, she's looking down the aisle nervous and then she sees the altar, you know, and she's still nervous. She sees the aisle and the altar and then she sees the groom. She sees him up there in the aisle and the altar and him and, and somewhere along the line, her mantra in life becomes aisle, altar, him. She dedicates her whole life to changing the poor guy. Let me tell you something, nobody enjoys that. When somebody tries to put their cookie-cutter image on us and make us after their own image, that's not the way uh, uh, marriages and, and relationships are made stronger. I want to encourage you, see your assignment as alignment. Fall in behind Jesus Christ. That leads us to number three tonight. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. Number three, see your success in selflessness. In selflessness. Now let's move down to verse three. Paul says in verse 3 this, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Paul talked here about strife and vainglory, and those are words that refer to a battle or a contest. He said that's, that's not the approach you want to bring into a relationship. Anytime we bring our agenda or goal to the table and try to give it to someone else, the relationship weakens. You cannot give another person a goal they don't want. Nobody likes spending time with someone who's trying to change them all the time, someone who has an agenda. Most of us probably have a really great story about time with an in-law who, who said, you would be really great if you'd be more like this. And they, they had an agenda for us. That's not something that builds strong relationships at sound, in life. Listen, as strange as this sounds, I want you to know, when there's a rift in a relationship, the goal of the relationship should be to be restored, but that can't be your goal as an individual because that implies you have all the control on each side. You don't have all the control, but you can do what you can do. 
As one author of a great book on marriage said, really our goal in situations like that is no regrets. We want to come to the place where we say, you know, I think I did hear what Jesus would have me to do. You'll want to know in a moment of difficulty that you did what you believed Jesus led you in. Success then is found in a selfless approach. It means that we value the welfare of another beyond our own. And friends, this is central to the Christian life. This is what it's all about. In Romans 12, and verse 10, Paul wrote this. He said, Be kindly affectioned one to another, with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. So Paul said, prefer one another. See your success in selflessness. I want us to consider one final thought tonight. I want to encourage you to see your service as significant. See your service as significant. You know, it's interesting in, in our world, service isn't considered as significant. The one being served is considered as the significant one. That's the one we'd say, well, no, that, that's the guy with all the power. Uh, our our uh, world looks at things very, very different. In other words, if, if you find a way to have someone serve you, you feel significant. And if you are the one serving someone else, you are looked at in a way that is diminished. The problem with that view on life is that it is exactly inside out and backwards from everything Jesus teaches us about living. He said, that's not the way it works at all. Jesus taught us, for example, in Mark chapter 9, he, he sat down and he called the 12 and he said to them, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. In other words, Jesus said, hey, serving others, that's significant. That's big time. That's big time. Jesus didn't just say that, of course. He lived it. In the very next chapter in the Gospel of Mark, we read this, For even the Son of Man, speaking there of Jesus, He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. You know, when we can grow to the point in life where we genuinely find joy in serving other people, every relationship in our life is going to go to a whole new level. Rather than looking at a relationship for what can I get out of this? How can I be gratified? When we look at it rather as how can I serve them, help them, minister to them? That's when relationships become stronger. I love what Paul said in verse 4 of our text. He said, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Paul was saying there, hey guys, spend less time thinking about your needs and use your time to meet the needs of those with whom you have a relationship. And Paul is saying that approach will change everything. I don't think I'm cheap, but I've been called cheap before. I would say I'm frugal. That's how I'd put it. But I've been called cheap. I've got an older brother. He calls me cheap all the time. And I don't feel that's what I am. I just discovered years ago that, that financial pressure is like horrible. And the key to financial peace, it's not having lots of money. It's just living within your means, you know. And so I figured that out. And so my wife and I, we decided we're going we're gonna to make a budget. Now, my wife doesn't care much about budgeting or saving, but she likes me, so she works with me. And, and uh, we had had months where at the end we said of our money, where did it go? We thought it would be better at the beginning of the month to tell it where to go so we don't have to ask that anymore. So we try to live within our means, and we pay cash. Uh, I'm not cheap. Did I tell you that? I'm frugal. We got a couch a few months ago. We, that was two years. 
of taking money out of each paycheck, putting in a little envelope. Uh, in, well, I won't tell you where it is in case any of you are going to break in and steal my, my envelope, but got a little envelope and we wrote the word couch and we put the money in there. And we knew it was time to get a couch when there was enough money in the envelope to go buy the couch. I was trying to teach my kids about this and, and I have a daughter named Julie and she said, Dad, why didn't you just go buy the couch with a credit card and you could pay it off over time rather than saving? I'm like, that's exactly the opposite of what I'm hoping you'll learn, okay? Uh, we want to pay cash, no debt. Pay cash. And uh, that's how we do it. Save up. And uh, we, we slowly go and pay things. That's just how I roll. I'd like to think I'm pretty good at stretching a dollar. I'm not cheap. I'm frugal. This doesn't mean, however, that we don't do uh, nice things. My wife and I like to do nice things. Uh, we like, for example, to go to Hawaii about every year. We'll go to Hawaii, and uh, we have a great time there. And I, I travel a little bit, and I'll have sky miles, and I collect points of every kind. I have some connections over there, and, and we always hit Costco uh, at, at the airport on the way in when we get to Hawaii so we can have our meals there, and we have a great time. And I can literally go to Hawaii cheaper than I could go just anywhere in Southern California. It, it, it's, it's a great deal. Again, we have these connections. But when we get to Hawaii, what I want you to know is this. I don't spend any money there either. I'm not cheap. I'm just frugal over there as well, okay? So we'll get over there. No money's being spent. One day, quite a few years ago, uh, my wife and I were walking in Hawaii. Beautiful beach. It's called Kanapali Beach. And uh, just enjoying it. it, it it's, just, it's our favorite. And uh, we walked by a, a, an outdoor kiosk selling sunglasses. Maui Gym sunglasses. And uh, uh, the salesman kind of got our attention and coaxed me into putting a pair on and they were awesome. In fact, they're not just sunglasses. They're actually considered optics. They improve your vision. So I'm in Hawaii. I'm not cheap. I'm frugal. Walking down Kanapali Beach, I'm putting on Maui Gym sunglasses, and I could see good. And not only that, Lisa told me I looked good. So that was equally as important to me. And uh, so I'm looking at these, and, and uh, she says, do you like them? I said, oh, yeah, I like them. She said, do you like them? Like, do you like them? And I said, oh, no, these are way too much because we budget our money. We save for things. We pay cash for things. And, and uh, I'm thinking they were like 180 some bucks with tax. These are going to be $200 glasses for sure. And, and uh, Lisa said, listen, do you like them? I, I said, hey, Lisa, $200 at 6% over 30 years, that's $1,149. How many of you agree with me? That's too much for sunglasses. Okay. So I did the math real quick. And uh, Lisa said, Steve, uh, I think you should get them. And she pulled out a wad of 20s. And I immediately thought, you've been holding out on me. I've been saving all this money. And she pulled out a wad of 20s. And um, she said, Steve, I want to get these glasses for you. Sure enough, man, she peeled off 10 $20 bills. And uh, I walked out of there looking pretty significant with Maui Jim sunglasses on. Now, as we walked away, I said, seriously, where did you get that money? Like, we talk about money. I don't have any. I'm hiding. Where did you get that money? She said, well, Steve, about a year ago, we knew we were going to make this trip. And I knew I wanted to do something special for you. You always make these things happen, these trips. And uh, she said, I did a little garage sale. Uh, we budget money for groceries. She said, I, I did some coupons. And she said, I've just been planning all year so that on this trip, I could do something special for you. And, and I knew this was the moment. I wanted to get you those, those sunglasses. Now, I looked significant in those sunglasses, but at that moment, there was only one of us that was truly significant. Now, my marriage with Lisa is not perfect, but I can tell you this, it's tight, and it has been for years, it's tight. What she was doing in that moment by applying these biblical principles was pouring glue all over 
our marriage. She made it stronger. In one act, she, one person, I mean, two is better, but one person is enough to make any marriage, any relationship better. She was strengthening our marriage. Imagine with me for a moment in our relationships, if we would just decide to treat others as Jesus would have, if we'd love others as he loved us. Imagine if we found our role as our responsibility in that way. Imagine if we found our assignment to be our alignment with the heart of Christ. Imagine if we found our success in selflessness rather than selfishness. And imagine if we saw our service to another as significant rather than the other way around. I'd imagine if we did those things, we would find a strength emerge in our relationships. I'm, I'm talking about the kind of strength that can take a struggling relationship and take it to a new level where it's made stronger. I'm talking about the kind of strength that can take a relationship that's doing really good and put it in a whole new arena, put it in the stratosphere where it's doing better than we thought it could be. You see, God loves us. He gives us all we need to make our relationships all they can be. And he tells us as we apply his word that strength is what will come. Our Father, we're thankful for the opportunity just to go through a few verses of your word tonight. And I pray that we would be encouraged by uh, what we've heard. I pray that all of us wouldn't think of truths like this in terms of who else needs it, but that we would look in the proverbial mirror, the spiritual mirror, and that we would allow your word to inform us what it is that needs to be done. Help us, Lord. I pray that uh, all of us would think of specific relationships and, and think of ways by, by the principles in your word that they can be improved. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Uh, let's keep our heads bowed for just a moment tonight. And, and uh, maybe you're here this evening. And listen, this is a Friday night. We're all aware of what's going on here. I'm so proud of you guys for just being in this room. But I wonder how many of you tonight would, would think in your heart, you know, there was something said tonight I needed to hear. Maybe it was from uh, JJ a moment ago speaking to the teens or from your pastor lovingly teaching earlier or something about marriage or something that was said right now. But how many of you would say, you know, you know, Pastor Steve, there was something covered tonight, this Friday night, that I'm really glad I came to get a hold of. There was something said that I needed to hear. Are there those like that tonight? Just by a quickly raised hand. There was something said I needed to hear in this, in this evening. That's awesome. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. You know, I often say this. Pastors don't ask for a raise of hands for some ego gratification. I couldn't possibly know what prompted your hand to go up, but you know. And I want to encourage you to make that a matter of prayer. If God's put something on your heart, see to it that you follow through and, and do that.